If you've got a Bible, would love you to turn with me um, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to read towards a passage that's meant a huge amount to me during this last couple of years. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 to 18. Paul writes this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what's unseen is eternal. And this morning, I want us to be real and I want us to unpack what we mean by Christian hope. And one of the things I love about the Bible is, is that it's real about life. I um, was talking earlier uh, when I arrived here about whether we're morning people or evening people. I've definitely become a morning person. But a few years ago in my early 20s, I was definitely an evening person. My, my natural habitat was a nightclub. And um, now a really wild night, ha- wild night in the Knox household is watching the 10 o'clock news. But, but, but recent, until recently, I've kind of thought, you know, maybe I still look about in my early 20s. That bubble was about to be burst a few months ago when I went to a nightclub for the first time in a really long time. And me and my mates were there. We were back from university and we were throwing some shapes in this club. It was about one in the morning. And then this lad who looked about 12 came up to me and he said, where are you from? And I said, mate, I'm from Birmingham. He goes, how old are you? I said, mate, I'm 38. He goes, Birmingham, 38. You're a legend? Shake my hands. It's absolutely true. For the next, like, hour, he kept coming up to me going, Birmingham, 38, legend. Shake my hands. I realised at that point I no longer looked like I was in my 20s. There are moments in our life where we have to be real with ourselves, real with others, and real with God. I love that this passage is real. First thing this passage does is it, is it makes a really unflattering comparison of what we're like. It says that we are like jars of clay. Now that is not a flattering comparison. Jars of clay are fragile, they're, they're chipped, they're, they're easily broken. By the way, this is also not a jar of clay. Despite the press-ups, I'm not that strong. <laughs> it, this is a jar of plastic. I was very disappointed when it arrived. And yet so often, how often can we be like this on a Sunday morning? When people say, how are you doing? We can want to project something that's not really what's going on inside. And I don't know about anybody else, but these last couple of years, I've been more fragile than ever. I've been asking the question, what is distinctive about Christian hope? Because I've needed to know it because I've been fragile. The passage gets even more depressing. Don't worry, I'm an evangelist. It's going to get more exciting. 
But it goes on to say we are hard-pressed on every side. Anyone else feel hard-pressed this morning by the challenges of life and family? Almost like, can I get an amen? We're hard-pressed, aren't we? Amen. We're perplexed. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's asked recently, what is going on, Lord? We're persecuted. Now, don't hear me wrong. We do not suffer the same level of of persecution as some of our brothers and sisters around the world. I can't imagine Riverside, Afghanistan is as well populated and public this morning. But we do, there is an increasing chill factor towards Bible-believing Christians in this nation. Struck down. A better translation, maybe theologians who've looked at this say that when Paul says he's struck down, he's saying he's, he's really suffering from a kind of anxiety and a depression over his life. And these words are even more extraordinary when we consider who wrote them. Because this should be someone who's really hopeful. Like someone who's at the absolute top of their game. Paul is responsible for writing almost half the New Testament. Planting churches all over the Middle East and South Europe. And yet he's clearly not in a good place. It's a jar of clay, hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. So my first encouragement to you today, if you're struggling, like me, like Paul, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to be real with God. It's okay to be real with one another. The Bible is real. And one of the distinctives of Christian hope is that it's authentic. It's real. It doesn't pretend everything's okay when it's not. And as a world, we're struggling. As a nation, we're struggling. But here's the deal this morning, and here's the good news. I told you I'm an evangelist and it's going to get better. If you know Jesus this morning, you are not okay like the rest of the world is not okay. Because you have hope. Because you're not just a jar of clay. Because the first five words of this passage say, but we have this treasure. And that changes everything. There's been a lot of talk about hope recently, hasn't there? I guess as we emerge from the pandemic, the the world's been saying, we're we're hopeful of stuff. We're hurtling towards another World Cup, and I absolutely believe England are going to win. But so often, just like that hope, our hope can be misplaced. Hope to be in the right direction. And I want us to be really clear this morning as Christians. I want us to be really clear, and hear me right on this. Our deepest hope as Christians is not in peace in Ukraine. Our deepest hope as Christians is not in NATO. Our deepest hope as Christians is not in some kind of political reform. Our deepest hope as Christians is is not in economic recovery. Our deepest hope as Christians is not in England winning the World Cup. Our deepest hope as Christians has a name, and his name is Jesus. See, in the beginning was the author. The answer to the question not yet posed. Solution to a mystery not yet disclosed. Liberator to a regime not yet imposed. And there in the background as the story unfolds, holding his run from times of old, waiting as priests, poets and prophets foretold of the author of all love and life and all that is good. And then bang, in a moment that is cosmically linkable, the author becomes unthinkably shrinkable. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Because the author comes down to meet us, the king of the world becomes a fetus. And from Judean hills, the story was broadcast and some logged on, hooked up, tuned in. And to those who did with a wireless connection, the author promised life and resurrection. Weaving tales, leaving trails, breaking jails, removing scales from people's eyes opened to a kingdom where humanity hails the author. But then impaled. You see, love is just words until action prevails. And this point is proven by bloods drawn by nails. And squaring up sin and death, the author wails, it is finished. But that's just the finale of season six. 
because in season seven's a box full of tricks. The author smashes death in the face with a spade because hell cannot hold his loving tirade. And for 2,000 years, the story continues. Get yourself plugged in like there's nothing to lose. So reach for your settings and turn your Li-Fi on because the author is still speaking. His heart is still beating. And the story is love and with it he frees us because the author has a name and his name is Jesus. And the distinctive thing about Christian hope is that it's authentic, but it's also in the right place. That's what's distinctive ultimately about the hope we have. And it's in a person. But here's what Paul then goes on to say. We are jars of clay. We are fragile. We do have a treasure, and that's the hope in our hearts. But he also then goes on to say that this hope is not just for ourselves. Verse 13, he says, it's written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Paul recognizes that when we have hope in our hearts, it's not just for us. And this is the next distinctive of Christian hope. We all get a part to play in bringing that hope to the world. The latest person I've seen get this is my cheeky nine-year-old um, who asked, I thought what was going to be an inappropriate question at the beginning of today. But uh, during lockdown, um, Daddy's book came out and uh, he was uh, determined um, to, uh, to read this. We kind of broke, we were, the, the, we were going through a Narnia series and uh, with absolutely no parental pressure, he said, can we read your book, Dad? I said, absolutely fine. Little bit regretted because there's a few stories in there I wish he would have waited until he was older to hear, but never mind. And uh, one of the things that the book encourages us to do is, is pray for a few friends to become Christians. And so Caleb, partly because I think he wanted to delay his bedtime, um, said that he was going uh, to write a really long list of every single person in his class to become a Christian. So he starts praying every night for his mates to come to faith. And then one day, comes home from school really excited and says, Daddy, something amazing happened today. I said, what? He goes, Jacob became a Christian. I'm like, wow, tell me what happened. He goes, well, I went up to him, right? I said, Jacob, do you want to live forever? Jacob says, yes. Caleb says, all right, you've got to become a Christian then. <laughs> Jacob said, okay. Caleb says, all right, you're now a Christian. <laughs> now, now, for the record, that's not how the book says to share your faith. <laughs> just, in course, just in case some of you weren't thinking of signing up to the Evangelical Alliance afterwards. But here's what I love about it. Even for a nine-year-old, he gets that the fact that this hope that we have in our hearts is not just for us, it's for the world around us. And there's something about the jars of clay that we are, that the more broken we are, the more cracked we are, the more those around us can see the treasure in our hearts. And here's my final encouragement to you today about the distinctiveness of Christian hope, is that in our weakness and in our brokenness, that's so often when God is at his strongest. I've never felt more fragile than I do now, but I've also never felt more hopeful and there's something about when we are at our wit's end, that's where God's great work can begin. And that's why, as I look at the challenges we're facing as a, as a nation and as a world, I'm absolutely determined and, and convinced that God's going to do something amazing through it. Because we think we've got it sorted, don't we? But actually, we need Jesus. And so often, for, for me, as I look at my life, it's been times when... When I've been at my lowest, sometimes that's when I've needed God the most. And sometimes when I've been my broken, when I've, when I've thought, how could I possibly make a difference here, God? That's when God has been his strongest in me and through me. And the person I've seen this most work out most recently is through my mum. 
when we found out about the pandemic, mum had been battling cancer for about six months. And we found out the cancer was terminal at the beginning of the pandemic. She meant for those first few weeks, what I would do with my afternoons is I'd take my then one-year-old and we'd go and sit at the end of mum's drive. And, and each day we'd see her and, and, and physically each day she grew weaker. The words of this passage resonated. Outwardly, she was wasting away. And yet this was a woman who was a young girl chose to follow Jesus. She chose to put treasure in her jar of clay, hope at the center of her heart. And it was like in those last few months, she was withdrawing dividends from that bank account that she'd been investing in ever since she was a young girl. And then she did something, which I would uh, strongly recommend if you know you're going to be with Jesus soon. She took her iPad one afternoon and recorded a message for her friends, talking about how the hope that she has in her heart was giving her the assurance of God's presence now, but the assurance of hope forever in heaven with Jesus when she died. And then she insisted that this message was played at her funeral. She always wanted the last word, did my mum. And uh, she got it at her funeral. We couldn't meet in person because she died in June 2020. So we had to do a Zoom funeral. Hundreds of people turned up. She got to preach at her own funeral. But because she wasn't around to stop me, I got to do the appeal at the end. And so I gave people the opportunity to put treasure in their jar of clay, to put hope in their heart, to choose to follow Jesus. And as soon as we clicked leave at the end of the call, I turned my phone off airplane mode and looked at my phone and there was a message from a woman who'd, mum, who mum had prayed for for many years. And she messaged me just to say, Phil, I prayed that prayer with you. I believe Jesus died for me. And here's my final encouragement. These verses say, so fix your eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what's unseen is eternal. You will never know fully the outcome of the prayers that you pray. You'll never know fully the outcome of the, the talks that you have when you seek to let your hope overspill out of your broken jar of clay. Outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what's unseen. Since what's seen is temporary, what's unseen is eternal. And that is what is distinctive about this Christian hope. It's real. It's authentic. It's placed in the right direction in the person of Jesus. It's not just for us. And it is eternal. 